following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. everybody welcome to another episode here of the kick pie podcast the podcast dojo of inspirational fit or dojo talk or should i say martial arts talk i am your host your sensei tj williams give you the insider of my martial arts journey discussing the analyzing the martial arts based subjects and highlighting martial artists that are around the world past present and future all right so before i kind of get on to my episode i mean just for people that just tune in this on um, this podcast this is a pre-recorded um, episode, so what I talk about in this episode is either done past or it's coming up. So, which brings me to what I want to talk about: um, a, a tragic situation that happened um, on May 14th in my area. So, if you're from the Western New York area, you probably heard about this. Of course, the whole world has heard about this because it's been trending. Of course, the mass shooting at the supermarket at uh, Buffalo this past weekend, and um, 10 people lost their lives due to that tragedy. And of course, I know it affects a lot of people. And of course, uh, the only thing I can say is I can send my prayers out to the families that um, the, to the other victims. And um, all I can say this, this is all about this podcast. We're not here to talk about politics. We're here to talk about inspirational uh, martial arts talk, what martial arts can do for you. But nevertheless, we're here to stay positive. That's the only one thing we can do is just keep staying together and stay positive. All right. So without, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest coming from Colonial Heights, um, Virginia. He's the owner and head instructor of Kickstars uh, Martial Arts School. And of course, I have known him for a while because he's I competing. So he's uh, a tremendous uh, martial artist. And I'd like to introduce everybody to Yule Carter that decided to come up on my show to tell his um, journey, probably from the beginning to all the way to the end. So this might go an hour, hour and a half, or maybe two hours. So I'm going to go for two hours. <laughs> All right. So let me introduce you to Yule Carter. How are we doing, Yule? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, wonderful. I mean, definitely I'm almost to episode 100 with this um, show. So I'm almost there. That's awesome, man. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. So just to give us um, a brief um, of what you do um, currently. So I know you own a school and how is that going for you? We're doing great, man. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. Um, I actually uh, I've been doing it full time now for six years. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been open for 10 years, but full time. It's a whole different ball game when you're full time. So, yes. Great, dude. We're very blessed. Uh, I know it's pretty much tough for you um, during the pandemic, like two years ago. So you had to close yeah. down and. But we persevered, dude. We we never gave up. That's what black belt means. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, especially when I have the that the dude um black, of course the black belt test coming up um this weekend. Um I have we have five um black um people going for black belt um first degree. Yeah, so I'm gonna be watching really closely because I'm gonna be um grading the whole test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta earn it, man. You gotta earn it. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna kind of get get to that later. So but 
we're going to go right to the beginning. We're going to go back to the time machine. We're going to take things uh, back when before martial arts um was um your thing. So how would you describe yourself before martial arts? Well, I um uh, I was a very active kid. I'm actually um, from Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I was born out there and um, we lived on a, a chicken farm. We had a chicken farm. Mm. We call it a chicken ranch, but uh, we didn't raise cows. We raised chickens. Oh, wow. And I was, um, I will say ever since I was a little kid before martial arts, I was just a believer. Like um, I, I had a good imagination and I, I had this idea that anything was possible. Um, and I think a lot of that I really credit to my mom because um, we, uh, my mom was a big book lover and, uh, you know, reading books or listening to audio books really makes you use your imagination. So I was um, very creative for sure. And uh, we had to work hard. So like hard work was just, it was just something we did. Um, but yeah, I, I would say very good imagination and I was confident, but um I didn't lack confidence. I just didn't know how to use confidence. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to um, describe when you have new students, like, you know, they have that confidence, but you don't know how to use it properly. So, of course, us instructors there, I mean, it just, they just give us tips of different ways we can build that confidence or it release it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, man. It's just uh, now that I look back and think about things like that, it's a different perspective on everything because like I always, um, I, I will say too, before martial arts, I was just always that uh, believer in that, um, how do you say, like the Hail Mary concept. You know, you have that one shot, you're the guy, you know, uh, you got 10 seconds left on the clock and uh, growing up too, since we, um, we lived out, we were about an hour outside of Cheyenne. You know, we didn't have a lot of friends to play with. So I played a lot of the times just by myself, man, growing up. And I remember uh, back then just, you know, I always played a lot of uh, whatever I was playing. It was always that 10 seconds down, that pressure, that concept of pressure and having to deal with that pressure and almost like you're the hero, you know, but you get a lot of that from books and reading books. And I was a big uh, Hardy Boy fan growing up, so. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I still got all the books, man. I'm never going to get rid of this. <laughs> yeah, it's well, you definitely have the benefit of the doubt. You've lived on a chicken farm. I mean, of course, you have to worry about going to the store and buying eggs. I mean, no, never had a, a white egg until we moved back here to Virginia. Uh, Always brown eggs. Yeah. Brown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you just raised chickens. You just ra didn't raise anything else. Yeah, we um we had a garden. Our garden was probably a two two acres big it was huge and i mean that's how we lived out there um a lot of the people out there were hunters um they were into that and uh and you know it was a very serious country out there because you know like you can die in the wilderness people don't realize how serious it is you know they think it's a joke and i um i did that and i was involved in a 4-h program so i learned a lot about like animals and tracking animals and what types of uh tracks man I, I couldn't tell you what it is now but back then like i knew my stuff you know but uh, yeah just um i was very and i was very active man i mean honestly our punishment growing up was we weren't allowed to go outside <laughs> you know oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I was a very active kid and I loved, um, I, I, I love people. Like I was kind of, I was, I was more of an introvert, but you know, I, I wanted to be nice to everybody. Um, and, uh, that, that is a good thing. Um, and I always, I tell people what I try to teach kids. It's, it's good to be nice to people. You just have to learn that not everybody is nice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's okay. But you can't allow people to bully you. You know, that was, and that was, that was actually probably my problem before martial arts. That was my problem was, um, I got bullied a lot because I was nice to everybody and just, you know, you want to be, want to be kind to people. That's how I was raised. And, and I will say my parents raised me too at that time to, um, not to get into fights, you know, and if somebody did pick on you not to do anything, um, cause you know, my mom was just like, you know, I don't want you to get in fights. That's kind of how it was. And, uh, yeah, different concept, man. Yeah, I mean, I say I pretty much can relate to that. I mean, I've lived in a different type of environment because there's always fights happening in my neighborhood. And, you know, there's going to be times where if I'm the target, I have to learn how to protect myself. I mean, I'm not looking to be a monster. I mean, right. a lot of yeah, you know, you got a lot of those people that try to prove how tough they are and they pick a fight with anybody. But yet, you know, I'm like you said, it's always best to be nice to people. You know, if I'm nice to you, I mean, that's the same. I don't need you to be the same way back. It's a two way street. Yes. Um, all right. So can you um, think of one event that got you interested in martial arts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So like I said, I got bullies. And this is a funny story. Um, there were these boys at my church, man, at church. And they would pick on me at church. And after church, you know, you go outside with the kids and play. And um, there were three of them. And two of them were older than me. And one of them was um, younger. I think he was two years younger than me. And I remember because I was, I was right, at, right around seven. Um, and uh, my mom and dad were actually sitting in the car that night. And they came outside. And uh, they beat me up. I mean, right there, my mom and dad sat there and watched it. Um, and like I said, my parents are old school too. They're kind of like, well, you got to learn how to fight your own battle sometime, you know. And like my mom and dad were like, you know, we'll step in if it gets too far. But I will say like back then, they just kind of punched you through you around. If you fell to the ground, they left you alone. Like nowadays, you fall to the ground, you're fighting for your life. You know, it was a different type of world. Um, so anyways, it beat me up. And I remember getting up. And so my mom and my mom and dad were both sitting in the car and they kind of felt guilty because they were the ones who told me not to, you know, not to fight back. And so my mom was like, you know, I'm sitting there and, and my um, son's a victim because I told him not to fight back. So she actually uh, was reading in the newspaper, looking for some stuff and came across this ad for a self-defense class. And there was this guy, he was teaching a self-defense class at the community college. And so she signed me up for that self-defense class. And I, I had no clue. I mean, like, I didn't know anything. They never said anything to me about that event until years later. And then, um, so I remember one Saturday morning, she said, all right, get up, get up. I'm taking you somewhere. And we went to that college, dude. And um, she said, I'm signing you up for a self-defense class. I said, what's self-defense? You know? <laughs> Cause I don't know. I don't really know anything. And uh, the guy came in there and he said, I'm going to teach you some karate. And I said, Oh, cool, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that event is really what, 
it, it set me up for success in the, the, you know, where I'm at today. If it hadn't have been for those guys beating me up, man, I would have never uh, taken that first karate class. Yeah. I mean, I, what would you say that was your push? Usually people have a push or an envy that really gets them started. And like, no, for me, I had an envy and yet a push. You know, I grew up watching like Bruce Lee and um, all these um, other martial arts movies that I was so really inspired by. And, you know, of course, I was a subject of bullying. And, you know, you know, you always got those people that just stand around and watch it happen. You know, we try to prevent that. You know, if you see a problem, you don't stand stand around and see it happen. You just got to go find some help or stop the person. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say, man, I remember um, one one of the times, too, back then, I remember this guy because he was like 19 or 20, man. And I was right at the same it was right in the same time frame because i had just started karate um, and my parents told me too they said don't tell anybody you're doing karate you know and my instructor was aware of the situation too and so he was kind of like you know you don't want to go around and tell people this he's like because you're just starting and <laughs> you're not ready yet <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. and um but i remember this guy he was probably 1920 and um I'll never forget, man. Uh, he was chasing me and he like body slammed me. I was like seven, eight years old, man. And I'll never forget how hard I hit the ground, dude. And I just remember after that, I was like, dude, I will never allow somebody to touch me like that again. You know, never, I don't, I don't care about to rip your throat out. Like, you know, like that's your, like, just never, ever. uh, I I wish you'd come body slam me now, bro. You know, (laughs) Oh man! I mean, at least if you try, I'll I'll back you up. Of course, I do pro wrestling, so yeah, I'll put him one of my finishers. <laughs> Absolutely, dude! Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's the thing we talk about in self defense. I mean, one thing you don't want anybody to make contact. I mean, if they get close, you know it's gonna come to a physical co- contact. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's always best to keep your hands up, not as a fight or to put your dukes up just yeah you're not a threat hands up I'm in trouble man i don't <laughs> want to trouble i tell people at the end of the day your job is to be able to go home and walk through your front door mm-hmm. now, if they're going to stop you from doing that that's when you have a problem mm-hmm. yeah all right so can you um think of like your first memory of your um first lesson or your your like your memory of your first lesson yeah i remember i remember it like perfectly dude because because it's funny it's really funny. Um, the guy that was teaching, and to this day, I still can't remember his name because we called him Sensei. That was just it. Um, and I've actually done some research and really tried to look up who was teaching at the community college, man, because I would love to get in touch with that guy and be like, dude, the, you're the reason I'm where I'm at today. You know, that impact. Um, so it's on, it's on my list, man. We're working on it. Um, but I remember he was a bigger guy. He was probably probably like six foot and he was a 240 he was solid he was a big guy and um so i remember we were in the wrestling gym at the college and he had everybody line up and um he was like all right we're gonna learn horse dance and so we were in horse dance and uh, it was just some basic self-defense we did like our punches and then he said all right you're gonna do a chop and then punch chop punch um and I remember 
him explaining that like if somebody punches at you, you chop their wrist and you you know hit them with a reverse punch. Um, and so because the style out there, what I started in out there was a more it was like an Ed Parker Kempo karate. And, and that, that's very big out there. It's huge, super huge. Um, and then I, I, there was another guy in town that taught uh, Shotokan karate, but his was more of an Ed Parker Kempo karate guy. And so I remember um, he had us doing like front kicks too. And this dude jumps up and does this like jump front kick. And it was just amazing, you know, I'm eight years old. And this guy's 240 pounds. He was a big guy. Just whoop, boom, snap kick. And he's like, you know, one day you guys will be able to do that, but we got to learn how to do it on the ground. So, you know, I'm all pumped. I'm like, man, yeah. <laughs> so what, what's so funny about that first class was he was teaching us um, how to do the front kick and kick like the inside of the, inside of the thigh. So I thought he meant the groin. <laughs> <laughs> I, bro i thought he meant the groin dude so oh. he would walk through the room and all the students would like we're in our horse stance and we'd do a front kick from our horse stance and you know kick the inside of the thigh kick the inside he comes to me bro he said all right ready set go bro i hauled off and i punt kicked him right in the jewels man Ooh. and I, i'll never forget him going <clears throat> That was it, dude. That was it. He said, inside of the leg, man. Inside of the leg. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that was my first class, dude. I kicked my instructor in the groin. I was I was one of those um, videos you see go viral. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why I wear cups. I mean, yes. I, yeah, especially when I'm sparring with my students, I always wear my cup, you know. Yes. You never know I'm what sure he had one on because I'm telling you, man, I rocked it. So he had to, man, he was <clears throat> that's awesome. Yep. So I ne I've never forgotten my first class ever. Yeah, that's the same thing with me. I mean, I always remember I started my first class um like during wintertime, and I had to I did it with a cold. I I did my first class, I still had a cold when I was getting over it. But I can still remember my first instructor. As a matter of fact, my first instructor still teach. And the thing is, I always uh, make fun of him because he won't test for his um, next rank. He's he's still, he's still first degree, and yeah. I'm here a fourth degree. So, yep. I mean, I encourage him to actually test. But, you know, he has his family and all that stuff in his house. But, you know, I can't force He's And plus, his body's giving up on him. So, yeah. I don't want to push it. Hey. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So your mindset after that first class, like what was your, what were you thinking about doing next? I was ready to take on the world, man. <laughs> I was ready to take on the world. I just remember, um, I just remember thinking to myself that the next time these guys try to beat me up, then I'm going to chop the wrist and punch them in the face, you know, like, cause I felt like I had some power, you know? And uh, what's crazy is, I tell people, you know, like after that happened, this guys came up to beat me up, man. And they beat me up <laughs> again. But this time I was trying to fight back. Uh, they still beat me up, but I was trying. And, you know, like I said, one class isn't going to get you anywhere. But that confidence, that little, little ounce of confidence from that class of just believing that I could do something, they couldn't take advantage of me. 
man, I mean, they could beat me up all day, but I, I was, I was, I was a believer. I believed in myself. And, um, I just kept going back. I'll never forget. Like, um, I, I have a, uh, once I get on something, man, I'm stuck to it, you know? And I, I would go home and do the stretches he showed us, you know, and everything. And, um, we didn't have TV growing up where we lived at. And so like, I didn't know anything about like Chuck Norris. I didn't know anything, you know, about Bruce Lee or anything. Um, but we had a library and that's, I started looking at these like self-defense books and all this cool stuff. And I'm going to tell you what, after that first class, dude, I was just, I was hooked. And every Saturday I went, um, I wanted to get better. I remember the first time I sparred too. Cause like, I'm probably one of those students that you have come on the floor and you're like, Oh my God. Cause we all have one. You're like, what are they going to break today? You know what I mean? And I'll never forget the first time I sparred, man. I sparred this girl, and she, uh, he said, go. And I just hauled off, and I punched her right in the nose. Blood was everywhere. <laughs> and he was standing there, and he was like, oh, God. <laughs> and, you know, like us now as instructors, we have it happen. You're like, oh, crap, mom's watching. You know what I mean? Because you have, yeah. oh, man, come on, Billy. Come on, Billy. Yeah. Again. And I just remember looking at my instructor and I said, well, you're the one who told us to keep our hands up. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me and he laughed so hard. He said, you he said, I don't have a comeback or something like that. He wasn't mad at me, but dude, I was sold. I went home and practiced and I was very dedicated to it. Um, we, uh, we moved back to Virginia and I was about 10. So I'd been doing it for about two years. And then I actually ended up starting over here in a, uh, a Korean system, like a Mudokwan Taekwondo Hapkido system. I started over and I'm going to tell you what, like my instructor here, I won the lottery. Like he was awesome, man. Great, great traditional foundation, but very realistic and uh, blessed me. He blessed me. He was just a good example and he really cared. And um, I, I, I got to the place where I was so addicted to it. Like he just gave me a key to the karate school. <laughs> And I ended up uh, working for him. And I ran his karate school until I was about 18, man. Mm. Yeah. So would you say that you would call him your karate father pretty much? Or your karate? Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. He uh, he is family for sure. Him yeah. and his son. Yeah, his, um, his son was a, a big impact because we would do a lot of like uh, summer camps or we would go teach at schools and I was actually homeschooled. So, um, you know, I'd get my work done. I could go to a karate school and train. And like, I tell people like they were a great traditional foundation, man. They were awesome. Like on the competitive side, they didn't really have that uh, no know how on stuff, you know, but they set me up for success. I mean, they gave me the wheels, the tires, I was ready to go. All, 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 all that had to happen for me was me to get to the person that could add the extra stuff, you know? So yeah, Master uh, Master Ron, his name is Master Ron. Um, and he's from Colonial Heights. And like I said, I have a great relationship with him. And I'm blessed, man. And his wife too, like his wife, she's, um, I want to say she's, she's a fifth degree black belt. And oh, yeah. uh, she, she really held my confidence, man. She helped my confidence. She was a, she didn't take any junk from anybody. 
And if you questioned her, you said, oh, I don't think you could do that. Her attitude was, uh-uh. watch me, man, watch me. And so I grew up around that. And that was my attitude, too. If you told me I couldn't do something, I was like, okay, bro, have fun watching me succeed, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing with me and Mr. Presty. I mean, I call him my cry pops. And yeah. you know, I feel like he just basically raised me. You know, I built my confidence to other than being a good martial artist, but also being an instructor, you know, being an instructor wasn't my first, um, my first pick, but, you know, after getting used to it and doing other stuff and I build that confidence is just like going there and teach. And, you know, it's not all about, how would you um, describe yourself as an instructor? Would you say you're a technical, like you're almost like a technician? What would you say that was how you describe yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I believe in technique. Um, and I, I've, uh, you know, when you're an instructor too, like you grow, right? You should. Yeah. It's like one way is not always going to work because there's a thousand different ways to beat that. Like that's that's why I love Bruce Lee. Like I always tell people, I was like Bruce Lee was was a hit of his time, majorly. Like you, people can criticize him all they want, but the dude was a genius. And um, but yeah, I like technique, and I'm a big believer in repetition. I, I mean, repetition, correct, correct repetition is, is what uh, makes you good. Like you can, you know, Bruce Lee said it, guy who knows 10,000 techniques, but only practices at one time is worthless. But the guy who practices that one technique 10,000 times, he's the master of it, you know? And uh, yeah, I would say technical and I, I, I try to be compassionate. That's, that's where I'm at as an instructor. Cause when I, when I first opened my school, man, I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to have the best students in the world, right? So to get a yellow belt, you had to know like a thousand things, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, if I could go back, I would um, do what I'm doing now, man. To get your yellow belt, you need to know your basic stances. You need to know, you know, a couple basic um, techniques, know your student creed, know your horse stance. You know, because I have a, it's a success rating because that's what I had to learn to get my yellow belt, you know, and you have to, I always tell people this, if you want to be a good instructor, cool, man, do that. Make them learn all these techniques and make them wait forever to get through yellow belt. I mean, the ones that stick with you will be good, but you won't have a lot of them. But if you want to be a great instructor, make things attainable make things attainable because like truth is, I mean, if it took us a year to get a yellow belt, chances are we probably wouldn't have stayed, you know, and, okay. and, and everybody, I do believe too, that if you uh, have a front kick, you should have five or six ways to teach that front kick because everybody learns differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's what my, and I will say, I got that from my instructor, master Ron, because his son, um, his youngest son at the time was uh, special needs. Yep. And growing up with that, and we love Chase. Chase is awesome. You know, we love him to death. But growing up with that was, you know, I saw this special needs boy learn karate. And, but you had to teach him differently than the kid who was your all-star. But then you had this kid come in who was wimpy, little, you know, no confidence. You had to teach him different. And you just had to find the way that worked for him. 
Yeah, I can relate. So, like, of course, when I talk about our black belt test coming up, we have, of course, uh, uh, one red belt that's special needs. And, of course, he built himself to be ready for this test. And I'm looking forward to this because yeah. we pretty much been on him since he started. And uh, I have every confidence. And let's just say his techniques, I feel like if he was in a fight, I mean, he could knock somebody out. I yeah. Mean, yeah. We, we have students, man, that have autism. And I tell people they're, they're better students than the people without autism. Their techniques better. They listen. They, they work harder. Yeah, they're more focused. And I tell people all the time, they're actually smarter than us, man. They're smarter than us. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, martial arts is for everybody. I don't care who you are. It's for everybody. Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, yeah, like it's definitely for everybody. I can see that. I mean, and when you talk about teaching different like ways of doing a front kick, like how I say it, like for a thrusting front kick, I say like you're kicking a door open. Yep. Or like you're stomping on a bug. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think too, the other thing is as an instructor to be a great instructor, you got to take your ego out of it, man. Like the ego is what, the, it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something I believe in. I mean, and, and, and I say that, I say that because of my, my experience and my mistakes, my personal mistakes. You know, if I hadn't had such a big ego when I first opened, I wonder how many of those white belts would have actually got their yellow belt instead of quitting. Yep. You know, and I, I sometimes I feel guilty, man, because I'm like, man, dude, like it was so tough back then. Like, dude, you know, did I impact their life in a negative way? You know, yeah. and, and I and honestly, man, like that's something that I had to um, I pray about. I'm like, God, forgive me. You know, so like now as an instructor, it's like, all right, let's make things attainable for people in the beginning. It gets tougher later, but, you know, you got a kid come in. They need to earn their yellow belt. They need to know that they can. There's still a requirement, but they need to know that they can. Yeah, man, I can definitely relate to that. You know, definitely a lot of stupid students that they can't do their best all the time. But, you know, they try and know even if you do it against a bag. I mean, you see how powerful they get the, the technique. It's yeah. not as powerful, but they actually get the technique. Right. Yeah. All right. So speaking of um the black belt test, um, can you describe your first um, first degree black belt test? Yeah. Yeah. I um <clears throat> I think everybody, the belt right before black belt, you're just you're ready because you you know, once you become a black belt, you're part of that brotherhood, you know, you're you're there, you're you've done it. And uh, like I said, I was um I was probably a green belt. And that was when my instructor basically like took me under his wing. Uh, I was, and I mean, I was at the karate school. I was at the karate school more than the current black belts that were there, you know? And so uh, I got to this place where I was actually better than the black belts, you know, <laughs> except for like my instructor and his son. And, um, but I wasn't a black belt, you know, that was the thing. I wasn't a black belt. And there was this uh, attitude from the black belts. They were welcoming, but it was also this, hey, man, you're not black belt yet. You know, so like, yeah, you might be able to kick me and beat me, you know, or whatever it's farm, but you're not black belt. So you, you still got a bow to me, bro. You know, <laughs> so I remember my black belt test and um, I was I was 15 when I got my black belt. So, um, you know, it took me about seven years because I started martial arts when I was eight and. 
I was a very, I tell people like my, my teenage years, man, I was disciplined. I had extreme discipline. I woke up every day at 5 a.m. And I remember my mom had a treadmill and I would walk like on an incline on like four, four and a half speed for an hour every day. I was super disciplined because at that time I had started watching a lot of karate stuff. And, you know, you see that stuff, man. I was a big Walker, Texas Ranger fan. Like, <laughs> that's He's the man. Chuck's the man. Chuck was my hero. Yeah. So, um, I was like, man, I had to get up. If I'm going to be like Chuck, what would Chuck do? You know? <laughs> and uh, I got up every day and I would walk and I stretched every single day for an hour. For an hour. I was oh. super disciplined. Um, and I gave up soda when I was 15. I didn't have another soda again, dude. Gave yeah. it up and I drank, um, I would drink a gallon of water every day. And so, again, these were things that at that time I had come to the knowledge of being like, the best you do these things if you're the best or if you want to be the best and so uh on my black belt test my instructor has us do this run it's called the black belt run and um it's kind of like you have to complete it it's like your rite of passage right so i had never really ran before like i played football with some friends and stuff but i never ran ever but i walked every day for an hour and so on my black belt, that's when I did this run, man, I'm going to tell you what, it destroyed me. Ooh. It destroyed me. And there was this guy there. Um, I can't remember his name, but I, I see him every once in a while. He was a retired like drill sergeant or something. And he was the, the other black belts would come and you had to do this run. And I remember on the, um, the first lap I ran, then the second lap you would run and then you had to stop and do like, hundred squats, then a hundred pushups at these little designated stations. And then the third lap, you just had to run full out. You had to get it done at a certain time that had to be done. Um, and I remember on the last lap, man, like it was, that was the wall. That was when I hit that wall. And I was, man, I can't do this. Uh, can't do this, man. I'm oh not going to pass my black belt test, you know? Cause yeah. like, Never, you know, because I again I didn't run, so I hadn't like I thought I had prepared, but I really it wasn't. I was I wasn't unprepared, and so um, that old man was behind me, and I'll never forget because we would go eat breakfast after the run, and he said, "You will just start thinking about that bacon," <laughs> and I said, "Bacon." He goes, "Yeah, man." He said, "Just keep running." He goes, "Every step you take, you get a little closer to that bacon," and I was like, "Hmm." Man, I like bacon. <laughs> and I remember, man, I was running. And then the end of it, there's this real tall hill. It's probably about 40 yards up, right? And you yeah. have to sprint that hill. You can't stop. You stop, you fail. Oh. Just is what it is. And I remember taking off. I get to the top, and my instructor just looks at me. and goes, good job, man. You did it. And I go, oh. And I turn over. I just barf everywhere on the ground, oh. man. And I was like, after that point, I like had my shirt over my head. I was like, you know, because you know how you feel after you bar. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. And um, so then we went back to the karate school for my black belt test. And we had to do breaks. We had to break boards and stuff. And um, my instructor said, Yule, I have a surprise for you today. And I was like, yes, sir. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're an instructor and you say you have a surprise, it's not always a good thing. Yeah. Right. And uh, he said, I want all your breaks to be jumping breaks. Oh, man. So um, and then we had like we did like one steps, like self-defense, one step, mm -hmm. yep. stuff, you know, 
And then he said, I want all your one steps anywhere there's a kick in it. Like if it's a sliding side kick or back kick or they got to all be jump kicks, man. Whatever kick it is, it's got to be a jump kick. And um, it was good because like it was tough, but like he, he knew I had the ability to do all this amazing stuff. And that day he really pushed me. And what was great is all that training I had been doing before because I put in work. Um, that day, the day where I thought I was white, he pulled out another level of greatness that was inside of me that I had never used before. Like doing those jump kicks, man, who would have thought like after doing that run and all this stuff breaks that you would be able to do that. And he knew that I could. I just, I didn't know that I could. And uh, I remember when I got that black belt around my waist, did never look back. I said, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Uh, I could, well, what you were talking about kind of sound like my fourth degree tests. You know, I could see like black belt tests is based on endurance, like how much you can take or how much you can do if you're tired. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> I can remember my fourth degree tests. I mean, of course, before we got into college, we were doing all these techniques. And yet, I got, there was two people that were going for the third, but I was going for my fourth. And I got the worst of it because this um, the testing board was like adding on all this stuff that wasn't even on my test. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was prepared for the test, but yet on the other side of the coin, they see if I'm prepared for other stuff. Right. Like, they had me do a kata that wasn't even on the test, but, you know, I did it anyway. But, you know, because I was prepared because I was learning how to do that kind of, right. it was, it was amazing. And I was like, like you said, I didn't barf, but I was like almost passed out. I was getting ready to barf, but a good thing I took some, like took some to drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We learned, we learned lessons though, from the, those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, something that we could tell our students, like we, we've been to war. So of course, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I tell students, Hey man, listen to your coaches, listen to your instructors. There's a lot of wisdom behind that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's get to like when you're, when you started competing, like, yeah, well, my first tournament I went to, I was an orange belt and uh, I had an event out of town and I did everything I could do to get back in time for the tournament. And, um, cause I was, uh, 12 at the time and I ended up missing that tournament I didn't get to compete and I had trained so hard for it you know and I was like devastated mm. um so after that I, I because I did taekwondo I did a couple of the WTF World Taekwondo Federation's um tournaments and I was actually good I was pretty good um I won a few medals I actually won a like a first place at that time but like as far as the karate tournaments went to that was really the thing that was where you know you wanted to be there and uh, those were the ones with the trophies like you want to win the trophy and uh i was awful i was awful dude i was i lost i lost so much and um i was an orange so i was an orange belt when i first started and so we went orange second class orange blue blue second green green black red, red purple so nine belts later, um, which was about three and a half years later, I won my first trophy. And I mean, I was consistent, man. I was going every two months to a variety tournament every three months. And it was a fourth place trophy. And I, I still have that trophy to this day. Uh, it means something, you know? Yeah. 
And um, I got I got a fourth place, and then I got a third place actually that day. And I'm gonna tell you what, um, my mom took me. Uh, I had a grass cutting business because, like, I paid for my own karate growing up, and I paid for my tournaments. Like, it's just how it was. It was you want to do something, you got to earn it. So not just through karate. Like I earned my karate. I tell people like I earned that karate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would lose and get in the car. And my mom, like my mom was just, um, probably my greatest supporter at that time because she always asked me, she's like, you know, what do you think you could have done better? And, uh, she always wanted to find the solution to the problem. Let's find the solution. You know, like, yeah, maybe you had a bad judge that day. Cause there were, but like, what could you have done better to turn that bad judge into a good judge? You know, because there's always something we can do. Yep. And so at that time, um, that's how I thought. And then I got to this place. Um, I was okay the next year. I, I was a brown belt and I won a, I won a first place trophy. My first, uh, first place was actually in weapons. Um, and then I, I, I was just okay. But when I got my black belt, that was when like I started to blossom and I was not a good competitor until after I got my black belt. Uh, and then, uh, I, I'll never forget. It was, um, March of 2009. I went to this karate tournament and I won traditional forms first place as a black belt. Then I turned around and won the whole sparring division. Right. Mm. And both of them, well, cause we were Korean stylists and where we're at, like some people are kind of like uh, prejudiced towards Korean stylists, you know, cause it's a Man. big karate Okinawan area up here. And all the judges were Okinawan Kimpo guys. And man, I won forms. And like, even me and my mom, we're just standing there. Like, what? You know, cause that doesn't happen here. And uh, the guy came up to me and he goes, man, he goes, you were good. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, and then um, when the fighting came, there was this sport karate guy. Cause I wasn't in sport karate at that time. I'm still kind of new and I didn't really know a lot about the sport karate circuit. Um, and this guy was supposed to be this legend. And um, so I ended up fighting up to first and second place and I had to fight him. And I'll never forget it, man. I hit him with a back fist, like right at the end of the match. Cause it was like tied. And I just took that chance. I was like, dude, I have to hit him, man. And I took this chance, hit him with a back fist and I won first place. And so I won two first places that day. And it just, that was the day that I realized, I was like, you know what? I have something here. Like if I can stick to this, I can be good. And so I just started hitting it hard and I um, got him. I got hooked up with this guy in Virginia beach. His name was Jack dark. And he really helped me out at that time. And he um, competed on the NASCAR circuit. Um, But he helped me understand like the point fighting game. Cause I didn't really understand it, you know, cause it is a game. Like that's why I told you it's a game. It's yeah. a chess game. You got to understand the game. You can't just go in there and fight. Got to understand the concept. And he helped me understand like a back fist reverse punch and uh, using hook kicks and everything. So he had a little seminar and I went to it. And after that, I started to win a lot. Cause I, I just came home and practiced what he taught me. And I went to, um, I ended up going to, uh, there was this little karate circuit in Virginia. It was called the all-star league. And this was where apparently a bunch of these MBL promoters and stuff were. And I got hooked up with this lady out of Lynchburg named Brandy Webb. Um, and she had a little karate team at that time. And so I was about 16, got hooked up with her. 
and she taught me how to throw like a sport karate sidekick because like you know our sidekicks were like traditional chamber you know lock it out um so she taught me how to throw a, a sport karate sidekick and then the first nbl tournament i ever went to was doug armstrong and i have to give a lot of credit to him because he saw me at one of those all-star tournaments and he tells the story. He said, I said, Yule. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I'm Doug. And I said, oh, that's yes, sir. Nice to meet you. And he goes, why aren't you in the NBL? And I looked at him. I said, what's the NBL? Cause I didn't know what it was. And uh, he told me what the NBL was. And he said, do you want to be a world champion? I said, yeah, I want to be a world champion. And after I heard that word world champion, and that was my life, man. After that, I started um, I started hitting all these NBLs. Doug Armstrong's was actually the first NBL tournament I ever went to in um, Hickory, North Carolina in 2010. And um, then I ended up, I just, I competed on the circuit a little bit, but I, I wasn't that good. That was the thing. I was a good fighter. I had good technique, but I still wasn't good. Like my forms, I had all the, um, I had all the talent. When I say talent, like, I would go on YouTube and I would watch videos of John Valero, Jimmy Pham, Daniel Sterling, Matt Emick, all these guys. And I would teach myself how to like 540. And I taught everything I learned, man. I taught, I taught myself. Um, and uh, my mom got me a, a DVD from Century. And um, I can't think of the guy's name. He uh, was like the coach for Team Pro Rank. It was an ASCA circuit. Um, he was a excellent, excellent form guy, great hand. But like, I would play the video and learn, I learned how to butterfly twist, you know, from all that. I'm like, yeah. just self-taught. And, but the thing was, I didn't know how to train forms, you know, yeah. and my forms were just sloppy and trashy. And so um, I set a goal to go to Super Grands and I had to work really hard and I got a seed. And actually my best seed was in fighting. Um, like I said, even though I didn't really understand some of the things I was already a good fighter. Cause I had a great foundation. Um, and I went there and I was still on Brandy's team in 2011 uh, and it was super grands, uh, Sacramento, California. That was, that was one of my most, that's one of my most favorite super grands. I mean, of course it's my first, but there's just so many people there. Like there was just so many. And, um, I ended up getting like uh, eighth and seventh and a fifth place, mm. right? And um, but before that, Super Grands, I had hooked up with this guy out of Martinsville, Virginia, Ron Ferguson, and you know he's a legend, man, because he had Team FX. He he had Lauren Ferguson, Ben Ferguson, Bryce Ferguson, Roy. These were people. I mean, he's been in the NBL since the '90s. He's a multi-time world champion, and he told me something. He said, "You?" He said, "Um." I don't know if you'll get it this year. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. He said, you got it. You just got to have the know-how. And uh, like I said, Brandy was extremely good to me. And so after that year in 2011, 2012, I went to her and talked to her and she wasn't really put competing as much anymore. So um, I went to Mr. Ferguson's team and, you know, he had actually just lost his son, uh, Roy. Roy was killed. And so I, I, I credit Ron for taking me under his wing at that time. Um, and I was with Ron for about two months and he really, man, the knowledge he has, he's like, 
I always say, like, if you want somebody coaching you to fight, you want Ron Ferguson coaching you. Because if he's in your corner, it's like him holding an Xbox controller. And if you do what he tells you to do, it works. When it doesn't work, it's because you did what you wanted to do. So, like, trust him. Trust him. And he, um, he, he taught me the concept of the, uh, the, the psychic chamber. Everything comes from a psychic. You can throw a hook. You can throw a round. You can throw a side. You can throw an axe. But it all comes from a sidekick. And he, like he said, Joe Lewis was the guy who kind of came up with that. Uh, but he, he, he taught me that. And then there was this guy out of Lynchburg, Virginia. This is the guy who really changed my life. Um, he's still my coach today. I never was on another team after that. Uh, was Edwin Alejandro, and Edwin's a Edwin's a G man. He is a gangster, <laughs> and uh, he's been around forever. And so he, I, I went to a training with him on a Saturday. He invited me up there to work out with him, and he was the really the first guy that could teach me and I could comprehend what he was saying. Like I said earlier, being a good instructor is you have to learn how to teach everybody, you have to teach them everybody's different. But the way he could taught me and explain things to me, I could actually comprehend it and understand it. Um, and so I ended up calling Mr. Ferguson, I talked to him and he said, well, you know, I'm not really competing at this time. He's like, honestly, I think it would just be best if he offers you a spot on his team to go with him and uh, Edwin offered me a spot and uh, I actually, and I, I started to win. That was the reason I knew he was the right guy was I started to win. And uh, I won Jeff Doss's Ironman challenge that year. Um, and after that, I just started to win. Um, it was a big struggle, but uh, Edwin has been like, you know how you say you got a karate father, but then you have like your karate brother. Yeah, Edwin's been my brother. That guy has just, no matter what it is, competition, life, business, relationship, you know, just down. Like he, uh, I, I can call him. He'll answer. Uh, him and his wife, um, Audrey, they're ride or die, man. I, I, I'll take a bullet for him. If they call me and told me to go play the lotto numbers, I'm going to play him because they know something I don't know, you know. <laughs> but Edwin told me something in 2012, he said, Yule, he said, sometimes it takes people a long time to win. He said, but the only way you don't win is if you quit. And like I said, I really wasn't that good um, up till that time, till I got with the right person. Um, and, but what's crazy is, you know, I noticed there was this pattern in the NBL um, in a lot of leagues. It's, um, it takes a long time to get to stage, man. There's a lot of politics, right? We just call yeah. it what it is. And so in 2011, I got an eighth, seventh, and fifth place. And I knew, like, <clears throat> I knew I needed a gimmick to get people's attention, mm -hmm. right? You see where I'm coming, right? It's like pro wrestling, right? Oh, uh, yep. That's what I was going to get to. It's like yeah. you got to come up with the right gimmick for, yeah. like, I mean, Honestly, I'm not planning on going to WWE or like other promotion, but you know, if I get that one shot, I mean, that's that's fine with me. But you know, I can relate that you have to have the right gimmick to get yourself over. So, right. Yeah. And uh, I knew I needed a gimmick, and I kind of knew that at the end of 2011. So I was into the Ninja Turtles, so I bought this Ninja Turtle shell backpack, man. 
And I just started carrying it everywhere I went. And I started wearing Ninja Turtle everything. I mean, pajamas, Ninja Turtle wallet. Like if you saw Yule, it was Ninja Turtles. And what's crazy is um, I knew it worked because when I went to Niagara Falls in 2012 for a smack, uh, Ron and Diane Kane's tournament, um, Colby Northcutt said something to me because I wore this Ninja Turtle onesie, right? Yeah. And so she said something to me. She goes, you were the guy at Super Grands and all the Ninja Turtle stuff. And I was like, yeah. And, you know, like the Northcuts were superstars, man. They were like first grade class. And, you know, I love them to death, man. And I mean, like, I will say I didn't like them for a little bit, but it is what it is, man. They're good people, you know. Um, You know, when you're a young man, you act a fool, you wear Ninja Turtle stuff. But the thing was, it worked. And, like, when she said that, I remember this, too. And what's crazy is um, Raymond Daniels was there in 2011 at Super Grand's. And then he was at another tournament. He's like, hey, man, you're the turtle guy. And so I was like, dude, it worked. Like, I knew I had this gimmick. And so people started remembering me as the turtle guy. And then I grew out this big faux hawk. It was like 10 inches long. And um, I just knew that if I could market myself, if I could get the gimmick for people to recognize me and know who I was, you know, because I, and I also have a weird name, Yule. You know, and that's where I came out with that concept of um, it's cool to be Yule. It's cool to be Yule and start wearing those shirts. And yeah, man. <laughs> so like I tell people, um, what's crazy is so like I was I, I didn't even really place in 2011, 2012. I made it to stage 2013. I made it to stage twice. 2014. I made it to stage three times. And then 2015, I won. And so like I tell people, but like. At that time, in that phase of my life, man, I was, dude, I never thought I would win. It was taking so long. But now that I look back at it, I was like, dude, that was actually some really fast success, you know, compared to like when you look at some people, man, they had been there five years before they ever got to stage. And like, I had only actually been in the NBL for really a year. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 how I got into competition. That yeah. was like my takeaway of it man man that's like i can write a book on that really yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah though both are fun i mean i i enjoy competing you know even though i did compete like a lot of times but you know i just like want to see how it is but i wasn't planning on being like um big on it but yeah, yeah. but you know i was wanting to like do tricking and all that like backflip and stuff it's like when i actually got my weight down and you know i was like like you try to teach yourself to do tricking you know, I was like watching a lot of Ray Park with um Star Wars. Yeah. And, and who I got to meet, of course. Yeah. That was listen, you were one of the guys on our radar. So that's the thing. It's like we had guys and like don't ever, man, because you were good. And the thing was you were creative, you were different, right? Yeah. And so, like you, you know, we studied, we studied everybody we competed with, man. We studied them to the T. And so, like, you were one of them, man. I remember us going, dude, we're going to smack. You know TJ's going to be there. Hey, um, we're going to, what's it called? Pittsburgh for Kumite. TJ's oh, yeah. going to be there. Right? You know what I'm saying? So, like, you, dude, man, you were good because you were one of the people on our radar. If we weren't studying you, dude, we didn't worry about you. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, that's why I tell people. If people are thinking about you in your sleep, if you're thinking about them, they're, 
they're good. You know, you're trying to figure out what you got to do to beat that person. You were just creative, man. Very creative. Cause we're like, how do you come up with this stuff? You know, we're trying to watch videos. Who's he watching? Who's he watching? Who's he watching? Uh, but I'm just like having fun with it. You know, I wasn't there yeah. to win. Yeah. But you know, I was looking up to get trophies from um, Kumite classic and as well as smack. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's just that one thing. If, as long as I get a trophy, I mean, I'm set. I'm good with that. I mean, yeah. yeah. Hey, right, so do you do any other activities outside of martial arts? Like what would be your hobby? Now? Yeah. Oh man. Um, I, I still train a lot. Um, a lot of my training is more, I don't do a lot of sport karate anymore, but I do a lot of kickboxing and wrestling and uh, BJJ grappling and stuff. Um, but like hobbies outside of it, um, you know, I'm married now and I'm super blessed, man. Yeah. I have an awesome wife uh, and we have an awesome bulldog who thinks he's human. Yeah. yeah. So Hank is awesome. And so, you know, dude, I, um, at one time there was this point where like everything karate was like my whole entire life, you know, every day, I, you know, and, and, and you're chasing that dream of being a world champion and competition with your life and stuff. Um, but like my hobby now is really honestly just spending time with my family. And that's, what's really important to me. Um, we love to travel. So that's one of our things. And, and that, that was a great thing about competing was like, man, I've seen all over the country and some awesome places in the world because of competition. Yeah. Um, in high school, I did uh, karate and I was super obsessed with it, but I was actually a, was a really good bowler, believe it or not. Like mm. I was ex- exceptionally good. And I, uh, I don't, I didn't tell people that I was good. And uh, my wife will tell you when I first met her family and everything, we went bowling, dude. And I just, you know, I never tell people, and man, I just killed them killed them destroyed them <laughs> that was a great first impression on the parents hurting their feelings you know yeah but uh, now i i will tell you i'm i'm big into running i'm really big into running man i um did my first half marathon in uh november and this year i'll be completing my first full marathon so i said it man now i gotta do it so uh yeah yeah, man. I just, I love, I do love the thing I love about martial shorts is just feeling fit and um, being the best that I can be, you know? And uh, yeah, that's probably really, man, like still even a lot, a lot of my hobbies are around something that's related to martial arts, like taking care of yourself, being healthy. Um, the only hobby I can honestly say that's probably not good is I love to eat, man. Food's awesome. Yeah. You know, I like good food. So, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to that later. Um, so definitely, uh, honestly, that'd be a guilty pleasure. So, all right. So yes. keep that in your back pocket. All right. Yes, sir. All right. So before we get to our hidden dojo bomb segment, uh, here's the one last question. Uh, what quote would you best um, say that um, best describes your um, journey? Man, you know what? Um, I would say I have a couple, um, but one of the biggest things that I have lived by, I'm not a perfect person, never will be. I've made some mistakes, but this quote kept me out of a lot of trouble was um, something Chuck Norris actually said. He said, the choices you make today 
affect the rest of your life. And, um, you know what, I'll be honest with you and say like, and I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't smoke. And when I competed, I didn't do any of that. Um, because I just, for me personally, I, um, there was just integrity behind it. And I'm not condemning anybody else who, um, drinks or smokes or anything like that. If you do drugs, drugs are bad. Don't do drugs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But, um, for me, that was something. And, and I, I credit that to Chuck Norris because he, in, in his show, Walking Texas Ranger, you know, kicked drugs out of America, kind of like the kickstart program. Like that was the point of it. And yep. so I always live by, you know, the choices that I make today affect the rest of my life. And <clears throat> then I always, um, like I look back to what our team motto was, was, you know what, dude, you don't work like we work. So whatever I'm doing, man, like I'm going to outwork you, dude. I'm going to take your soul. Like that's my job, man. I'm going to take your soul. So if you're, if you're staying up 48 hours, I'm staying up 50 hours. Like I don't care. Hmm. You know, even, even if my performance isn't great, like that's okay, but I still beat you by two hours. Like I'm, I'm taking that soul. So and never give up, man. Like, you're always going to have bad days. But did you really have a bad day or a bad moment? Mm-hmm. And so just, and, and uh, the last thing I would say, too, is one thing I try to start my day with every single day that changed my life is gratitude. You know, thank you for waking me up today, right? Because, like, for me, I believe in God. So I just say, you know, God, thank you for waking me up today. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you, God, for the ability to talk, see, hear, like, all these things we take for granted, you know? So, but the choices you make today affect the rest of your life. And if you live by that, I think nine times out of 10, you're going to try to make better choices. Yeah. Uh, I can relate to um, Walker, Texas Ranger being a, a inspiration. Well, it's a good thing we got Pluto TV. I usually watch Walker, Te- Texas Ranger there or even my DVDs. Yes. Yeah. I have every yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the great thing about Walker, Texas Ranger. Because of Chuck Norris, I end up meeting celebrities that was on this show. At least awesome. guess. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our hidden dojo segment. So this is the fun part of the whole podcast. All right. So this, I'm going to ask you seven questions here. So it's going to be at the best of your ability. All right. So it's, like I said, it's going to be the fun part. So let's have fun, ladies and gentlemen. All right. The first question is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and who said it? The best piece of advice that I've ever got. Mm. Man, I'm going to tell you what, that's tough because I've, I've been surrounded by so many good people. Um, I would have to say back to what Edwin said, it's, uh, you know, I've seen people get second for 10 years but it's always, you know, as long as you stay, you're going to win. You'll get it. Just don't quit. And I have actually, the thing is I've applied that like to everything I do in my life. I'm not the most talented dude. I was not the most talented competitor, man. I just happened to be the guy that would stay for two hours after training karate and practice that one thing over and over and over. So I um, think the best piece of advice I've ever got is, Probably, probably that I would say, and that that would come from Mr. Edwin Alejandro. 
Uh, uh, here's the next one. Usually the second question people don't get, uh, the worst advice you've ever gotten. I know that you said you didn't say the name of them. <laughs> we don't yeah. want to hurt people's feelings. Um, yeah. you know, you know what? I've had a lot of bad advice, mm -hmm. but I will say, um, I remember I had somebody years ago, it was 20, I remember it, dude, like I, sometimes I have like photographic memory, but uh, it was 2013, I had torn my um, knee and I was at Kumite, um, Kumite Classic. I'm not gonna name the person, but they gave me this piece of advice, man. And I had just opened my, my karate school had been open right about a year. And they told me, they said, you'll, as long as you teach good karate, the rest will follow. You will be fine. Just teach good karate. Everything else will work out. And you know what, man? I took that to heart. Like, like I took, because at the end, that person, I still love him to death, but that probably wasn't the best piece of advice. Because, um, and I really want to say this, like, I, I looked up to them. Like, you know, they were a hero. You know, I want to have a karate school like them. They were successful. And at that time, that's what I thought success was. So um, I remember they told me just to teach good karate and that, you know, if I just did that, then I would, the rest would come, but you had to work really hard and it takes a period of time. And uh, honestly, man, that was the worst piece of advice I've ever gotten. Like out of all of, because it doesn't take just good karate to run a martial arts school. Like I, and again, like I, I, that idea, good karate is what gave me that idea of, man, I got to have all this stuff for these kids to learn to get their yellow belt, you know, cause good karate and, but good karate didn't teach me how to run a business. Um, you know what? And good karate is not what taught like, like that concept Then it's living by that. Then it teach me how to stand up to bully customers because you know, we're not talking just physical, but dude, sometimes you got to fire a customer, man. Sometimes they're bad people and they just don't need to be in your business and they're causing contentions. And you walk in your karate school and you're like, oh, that person's here because they're just a negative Nancy, you know, or like a cancer. And um, <clears throat> the good karate didn't like that, that, that didn't teach me how to call people and say, you know, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, you know, you're behind three months. You need to pay your bills. Because here I am over there, I didn't know to do that kind of stuff, or I was kind of scared to do that. But yeah. as long as I teach good karate, man, and I live by honestly, dude, I live by that quote for one, two, three, four, five and a half years of mm. running my business, man. And uh, then God opened a door for me to get a business mentor, and this guy told me, he said, you know what? He's like. And a guy out of Harrisonburg, I, I can name him, Brian Mays, um, told me, he said, if you ever go home, Yule, and you're standing in the shower and there's a problem at karate because of a bad customer, you need to fire the customer. And I've never been told anything like that. You know, I thought you had to put up with all this and you had to yeah. put up with people not paying you and you had to, you know. So <laughs> I know it's weird when you say that, but I, I would have to say, dude, like that was the worst piece of advice I ever got in my life was just just teach good karate you know if it had been hey man if you teach good karate 
and then you also learn how to do this, 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 and this, you'll be successful. It wasn't that, you know, it was just, and like for me, man, I was a young man. I believed in that person. Um, and I, I kind of idolized them, you know, I wanted to be like them. And so I was like, man, I've got to go home. I got to teach career karate. Every class, dude, got to be good karate, you know, because you take that to heart. So I do tell people, like, think about things when you give advice. And so if I give advice, what I try to do is I try to give advice, but I want to explain it because I want you to understand it, you know? Yeah. That's what, man, that I, I've, I've been had a lot of bad advice on just like stupid stuff and everything, but um, that one is the one that, that impacted my whole life. Yep. All right. Remember, I said about um keeping that guilty pleasure in uh, your back pocket. Yeah, yeah. So that's is that the way you reward yourself? Um, I love food, man. But I after a tournament or something like that that I'd worked for a long time, nice big pizza, man, pepperoni pizza, or something like that. But um, I will tell you this, man, I've worked really hard in the last few years to like not make my reward food because I love food. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, but I will say, man, I, I would say that that if it, there's a gu- guilty pleasure, yeah, food, food's, food's it, man, because there's just so much good food out there. And like, I don't know, man, apparently I didn't know that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that be a good guilty pleasure. You, you, either it's food or you know, you know, you know. There's a movie out. You go see it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a that's guilty pleasure. Doesn't always have to be food, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah it's the rule. It's the rule. <laughs> uh, all right. What famous movie would you want to be in? Well, if I had to pick, it would have to be. Um, and that's movie. So I would say TV show. I'd, I'd Walker, Texas Ranger, man. Like, I would have to say that. And then if it was a movie, the best of the best. <laughs> yeah. Yes, dude. If you want to train for a karate tournament, watch the best of the best, man. Yeah. Those two, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just think of that. I pretty much got that. Because of that movie, I pretty much got that whole James Earl Jones voice, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. And because I have to talk like Mufasa, yeah, that'd be, <laughs> yeah, that was a good movie, you know. It was. Uh, yeah, I think I watched that a lot of times. Well, of course, good thing for Netflix or, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. We actually just watched it a couple, a few months ago. Matter of fact, I told my wife, I said, "You need to watch this." What? Because my my wife's not really involved in martial arts like I am, you know. Yeah. Said, you need. I got to educate you on a couple things. You got to. This is a rule. Like our kids are gonna have to watch this. It's a rule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no women, no alcohol, no drugs. That's right. <laughs> he said, "If you want to be the best, you can't beat." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love him. Uh, all right, secret talent. Well, <clears throat> um, I don't know if it's a talent, but. I, I I am actually a preacher. Yep. So um yeah, man, I, I believe that God is awesome and he blesses us with many things, but um not just as a preacher, but I, I personally believe as like an instructor, but more as a coach, man, like whether it's through martial arts 
um, I believe in just encouraging people, man, whatever they're doing, trying to get a new job, trying to quit smoking, trying to lose some weight, whatever it is. It's just, I've been blessed to be a person that can believe in people. And I think that, uh, I think they can comprehend it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that that's it. And I, I, I used to be a plumber, so <laughs> you go, man. Who are you going to call? It's cool to be Yule. 1-800. Plumbing. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, dream celebrity encounter. Chuck Norris, no doubt. Mm. Um, Chuck Norris. And I'd love to meet David Goggins. Mm. Yeah. Stay hard, bro. Who's going to carry the log? <laughs> Who's going to carry the log? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I got a lot of celebrity encounters. I mean, of course, I've been to a lot of Comic Con, so really, whatever celebrity I didn't get, I'll get them. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I got enough celebrities for Hollywood. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, all right. Ten years from now. Ooh. Well, ten years from now, man. Um, There's a lot of things that I'm working on right now. Um, so I hope that in 10 years that I'm a father. I'd love to be a father. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to be able to give back to people that were in my position at 18, 19 years old. So that's something that I'm working on right now really hard. Um, trying to make things happen and be able to give people that are, you know, even in their late twenties and thirties and forties, a career with martial arts, not just a job because, you know, you, you make ends meet on your job, but a career you can afford to live off of. And that's, you know, that's it, man. People when, you know, like I got to tell people like my career in martial arts, when I first started, man, I could not live off of it. So I worked two jobs and three jobs and, um, so 10 years from now, I would like to see myself as uh, man, 50, 60 martial arts schools, dude. And, uh, and, and on top of that, like, just think about the lives you can impact, but I'm not just talking about the impact of um, the kids within the school, but being able to impact those people like me that at 19 or 20, like I had to go figure out how to make this thing work and be able to say, Hey man, you don't have to go figure it out. Come here. Let's do this. This is what you need to do. And you'll be successful. And guess what? You can feed your family. That's, you know, that's the hard thing with martial arts. It's, sometimes it's hard to feed your family with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I would love, man. And I would love to be able to um, take care of people, help the people that had my back and bless me. Um, I don't know, man. It's all, a lot of it's just in God's hands, but that's the kind of the vision that I have. Um, I believe dude. And I speak, I always say this because I believe it. Um, I believe I'm going to be a billionaire one day. So like, I don't love money, but you know, it takes money to feed people. It's just the truth. You know, Bible says that money, uh, money answereth all things. So it does, you know, you got money to feed the poor, um, but you got to work, got to work to get it. So I always say I'm a shoot for it because if I miss, maybe I land on a hundred million, <laughs> you know, like, 
Yep. Uh, just being able to help people like that and teach them to be successful. Um, and that's, that's it. Dude. I read a lot of books and that's um, like, if you don't envision it and believe it, it's not going to happen. That's just it, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. To kind of add a quote to that, you know, I would say it's better to humble yourself than, than uh, be praised, than to praise yourself and then be humbled. Yes. Uh, That's good. That's good. We need to get that on t-shirts. Yeah. That's good. Uh, All right. So before we kind of close out, uh, is there any last minute words you'd like to say to our listeners out there? Um, you know what, if there's something you want to do and you believe in it, go do it. Like I started my karate school in the hood. Um, and we used to have shootings in the parking lot and, you know, I just worked hard and I had to work several jobs and run that place at night. And then I was able to get my own place out of the hood. And then I was there for several years. Um, so you can do it. You just got to work hard and you are who you hang out with. I only hang out with winners, man. That's it. That's my rule. I only hang out with winners. Um, you know, people are like, what do you mean by winners? People that are working towards a goal, trying to be the best version of themselves. People that want to be better. That's what a winner is. Constantly yeah. driving for it. Doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. Life's not a bowl of cherries, right? But don't quit. And if you believe in it, then you believe in it. That's the thing. It doesn't matter if your mom and dad don't believe in it. It doesn't matter if your sister doesn't believe in it. it doesn't matter if your wife or husband doesn't believe in it. Like if you believe in it, you believe it'll work. It takes you to make it work. That's it, man. Uh, thank you. Oh, man. That was this is wonderful. This is a wonderful episode, you all, though. Thank you very much for joining me at the KickPod um, podcast. So hope everything goes well for you. And, of course, yeah, I'm looking for those um, 50 schools or at least how many schools you're going to get. But I might come and visit one of these days. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, coming with my old black jacket. Come in, man. Come in. You got the gimmick, so you can come in and teach us those wrestling moves. <laughs> yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So for those who are just tuning in, um, tune in to my previous episodes on the BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another episode here at the Kick Pod. And this is your host, TJ Williams, bowing you out. Yeah.